Wonderful to be able to come to church, be assembled together in the house of God, the saints of God of like precious faith. It's a great privilege and opportunity in this hour of darkness to be walking in the light. We've said it for years and years, our world's in awful shape it's ever was. Truly, we can say tonight, it's worse than it's ever been in our lifetimes. We're not only dealing with a, a virus that is killed hundreds and thousands of people, but now we're dealing with riots and all types of things going on. Come, Lord Jesus. I say, come, Lord Jesus. Who knows what it's going to be, friends, before the rapture actually takes place. I want to be ready. By God's grace, I'm going to be. Are you? Amen. Let's turn tonight, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We have some absolutely wonderful things to look at tonight. I hope that you come hungry with an expecting heart. Amen. If you didn't come hungry, I'm still going to feed anyhow. So it's up to you whether you eat it or not. I've got a lot on my plate tonight, and I'm going to share it with those who want it and those who are hungry. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We'll read again down through uh, verses 20, and then we'll let you be seated. Then we'll go back to Hebrews 2. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us Apparently, the ministry of reconciliation must be coupled with the word of reconciliation. So, to preach salvation, wonderful. To preach that God's grace can be able to come and be able to redeem a person, absolutely wonderful. But we also must have, the bride ministers must have a word of reconciliation along with the ministry of reconciliation. It might help you to understand sometimes why myself and many other ministers does not preach on salvation, 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 salvation every service. I'm not actually called to go out and, and to gather into here and there and there. I'm called to minister for the majority, for the most part, to bribe people, to get them ready for the rapture. I'm not against those who are going out and have meetings and, you know, to try to beat the bushes, as we say. But whenever you look at the word of reconciliation, what it is, it's the concept. The word logos is concept or mandate for the day. It's what God has on his mind. So it is a word to reconcile us back to our original position. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled or brought back 
to God. I'm so glad. Praise God. How many like to be remembered tonight before the Lord? God bless you. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord Jesus, that we could be gathered together again tonight, Lord. Oh, it's an awesome time, Lord. Father, we look around and see the things that are happening on the earth. Each day, it seems like something else is unfolding, prophetic, Lord, to help us to see the hour that we're living. We're so grateful, Father, in this time of such trouble. When the world doesn't know what to do, they don't know which way to turn. Lord God, we're so grateful that we have you to be able to look to. We see, Lord, as we went through this thing just with this virus, how that our rights have been infringed upon. Our Supreme Court this week would not even hear a charge being brought about churches being singled out more so than bars and parlors that do tattoos and all sorts of things. And our Supreme Court absolutely refused to hear those charges being brought against them. It lets us know where we are, Father. But we're so grateful, Lord Jesus. They may want to take our rights, but our rights as children of God are being fully restored by the grace of God. Help us, I pray, Lord. We pray for our nation tonight, Father. We know many of our major cities are going through these great uprisings and things that's going on. Truly, Lord, it was sad to see an unarmed man, Father, be strangled in his, in his uh, police officer's knee being on him until he's suffocated to death. It's a terrible thing. But yet, Lord, to see these other things that are transpiring, it really has nothing to do with that man dying. We know, Lord, it's Satan. He loves these type of hours. He loves these type of trauma and trouble that we're going through. How our hearts are longing for King Jesus to come back. Tonight we say it with all of our hearts. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Bring peace to the earth, Father. We commit the service to you tonight, Lord. We love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name. And the saints said, God bless you. You may be seated tonight. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6. Let's read again the scripture that we looked at Wednesday night. What an amazing thing that God wanted to do for us as his people to be able to bring us back to the place of, of uh, right standing as righteousness actually means that we could have in the presence of God. And you know, the world in the way that the, the majority of even Christendom looks at this, salvation is such a warped type of thing. It just absolutely overwhelms you when you look and see what God really done and the great plan that God had in his mind and the way that Satan has been able to warp people's view to where that it overrides the sovereignty of God and simply makes man's choice the predominant factor that so many people look at. And they make salvation as if God were a poor businessman in the way that he would run his office, that God would offer it, not really knowing who would accept it, hoping that some would, but not really sure how many would or would many give him their all. Oh, but my friend, that's not my God tonight. That's not the God of the bride. Our God knew exactly before the foundation of the world, every move that would ever be made by every human being. He actually knew every animal, every flower, every flea, every fly. He knew every storm, every strike of lightning, every bolt of lightning, every clap of thunder. He knew every leaf that would ever live on the earth how many times they'd fall off under the earth and go back to the cycle of calcium potash petroleum he knew all of that he knew every prayer that we would ever pray he knew how many times we'd be down how many times we'd be up how many times we'd be sick how many times we'd be well 
That's my God. And yet, whenever he would come to running his business and offering of salvation, he would have to run it under the same greatness, under the same power of sovereignty. Now, when I read Hebrews, this is the way that I read about the sovereignty of our God and his program. To me, as a real, as a real Holy Ghost-filled believer, whenever we take that program not only into our heads, but into our hearts, it makes the mystery of God, which is what we're looking at actually, it's a threefold mystery of God of what God wanted to reveal. It's also the slowly unfolded mystery of God. And it's also Him coming into the place of having preeminence in a body. And I took care yesterday as we was talking about what the Lord has been speaking to us by His Word. I said, I hope people can realize that God actually coming to become a son Himself. It was more than just Him coming to become a human being in order to give a perfect blood. It was That was necessary. But the more I look at this, the more I realize that was a much quicker work. That was a great profound work, not to take anything away from that. But yet to realize it was the work which was more long-lasting and more years that was in the making was actually the work of bringing human flesh in subjection to a God-given life that was on the inside. This is what I'm seeing that was such a great thing that was incorporated into the work of salvation. That he come not only to live as a savior, but he come to live as a man filled with the Holy Ghost. I guess for many years of my life, what I focused on is him coming to live his life as a savior. But as the seals to me reopen again of the value of his life, what I'm seeing is that there's more to his humanity than just him living to be a savior because his blood was created blood so once he got old enough to be able to come to the age of accountability 12, 13, 14 whatever it was he could have went to the cross as a little boy he could have went right there and gave his blood if that was the only purpose that it was here for then give that blood go right back into heaven but the more you look at it the more you realize it was not just for the purpose of dying that he came but it was for the purpose of living that he came living as a man that was submitted to the power of God that he would live his life under the realm of vision that he would actually feel human compassion and human sympathy to do things for people that he did not have the power to carry out himself now I know that seems quite overwhelming to us especially when we look at it that he absolutely was God and he was God we believe that but as we feel sometimes that we are so limited and in some ways so hindered because we want to help people now not only preachers feel that way but every child of God really has that desire in their heart to be able to reach out to people and help people and, and whenever they're down or weary or whatever they are don't you do with that you want to do that with all your heart and if it was left up to me my goodness there's nobody that I would walk by if I had the unlimited power given to me I would just go through Walmart I've seen people blind I've seen people in a wheelchair I just heal everybody coming and going and there's people that you really really feel close to people of your own family people of your own church family and you certainly would not walk by them and then yet you feel sometimes so God why why Lord does this person not healed and why is that person not healed and you imagine the Lord Jesus actually felt that same way 
The Lord Jesus actually felt with human compassion as he would walk by the multitudes and see little children that were twisted and oh my, their, their bones all twisted and deformed. And we know that uh, in that day they certainly did not have the, the vitamin nutrition food that we have today. And much of what they ate was not good for them. So they had many of the diseases that was there because of the lack of food. And as a man, as a man, he would walk among them and he would see their bodies in such a terrible shape he would feel human compassion to want to heal them listen carefully but he did not have the power within himself alone to be able to do it praise God I figured that go over like that now listen he had to experience that for the sake of his body that would live years later and for consecutive seven consecutive ages because they would feel the same thing. They would feel compassion and they would feel love and they would see their own family members suffering and say, God, why? God, I don't understand. God, why don't you move for them? And the Lord Jesus would allow himself to feel this exact same way. Now remember, he never declared himself to be a healer. He never went around saying, I can heal whoever I want to. I can raise the dead. I can do whatever I want. He never said that. And now, if you believe that, it proves you don't know your Bible. He never said one time, I am a healer. He never said, I can do this. I can do that. He never done it at all. Amen. Some of y'all are so shocked. I'm so sorry. But yet, what did he do? He wanted to live before us a life that was so consecrated to the indwelling presence of deity that human compassion would look at them and feel so moved to reach out to them, but he did not have the authority from the Father to do it. So he must refrain from doing anything himself until the Father showed him a vision. Oh, that makes me love him so much. Notice in in Hebrews 2, 6, as we go back into this, what we looked at Wednesday night. But in one certain place, he testified saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Now, if you know your Bible, you know that, that actually Paul here is quoting from the psalmist David. Or the son of man that thou visitest him. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Now remember he's not referring to the Lord Jesus. Sure David isn't necessarily but he's speaking about man himself and when man actually had a dominion in the presence of God. Thou crownest him with glory and honor and desettest him over the works of thy hands. Now your poem actually catching the phrase of David that David by inspiration going back into the land of paradise into the garden of Eden. When man was placed into his initial stage of glory and honor and God had crowned the man with glory God crowned him with deity but notice then he says in verse 7 thou madest him a little lower than the angels thou crownest him with glory and honor and did settest him over the work of thy hands thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet for and that he has put all things under in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. And then Paul goes from there and he says, But now, now currently, we see not yet all things put under him. What happened? 
What happened? Sin. Now, man actually forfeited his crown of dignity, of honor, of deity, of glory. And man went from being a king to being a slave of sin. Now, man laid aside his crown by which he ruled over the earth because God made him a god, a lesser god. He gave him authority over animate life. He gave him authority over botany life, over animals, over the, over the, the fishes of the sea, over the trees to speak to them and move them around at will. And he was crowned with dignity and honor and authority. But man gave up his crown from being a king and become a slave. Now this is where, of course, that we were born into that. But we know that man, we realize it yet today, even those of us that are on our way to full redemption, that still all nature is not subject to us. Is that right? Man to this day cannot control fish. Man cannot go out on the wild and speak to a wolf or a coyote. Man cannot speak to a bear. Man cannot speak to wild animals and be able to make them obey him because that has not been yet fully restored. But the Lord Jesus did. When he was here, he spoke to fish. He spoke to animals that were not even tame. He rode on a donkey that had never been broke. And yet he moved back into a restored position and he was the first one of the new race to be crowned again with glory and honor. Now the restitution of this power meant there was other sons and daughters of God that were going to come to the same place. Now what we notice here that Paul says in verse 9 now man of course in verse 7 and 8 that he says that man was crowned but now we see man is not there yet but he said we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory now notice what he said about Jesus that Jesus was now given back what Adam lost from the fall so Adam was crowned with glory and honor Adam lost the crown of glory and honor but now we see Jesus the first one of the new race which was the second Adam and what did he become crowned with glory and honor this is why he must be able to be able to reflect Everything the first Adam did plus. So he could stand at the bow of the ship and do what? Do as Adam did. Speak to the wind. Speak to the waves. Speak to the water. He would be able to speak to demon possessed people. He would be able to speak to wild animals. Speak to birds. Whatever more. Speak to the fish of the sea. Now you would have think that within itself would have been enough for the devil to be able to know who he was. But still the humanity blinded him and he could not figure it out. But notice we see even to this very hour the subjects of his kingdom are not yet fully restored to that place because most of us are still trying to control this animal right here. Praise the Lord. I'm not, you know, I give up on trying to control the winds and the storms and the seas and I've done that on a few hunting trips and after you get near to shook out of a tree stand, struck by lightning and all that sort of thing, I give up on that stuff. So if I, if I can just control these 16 elements right here, I'll take care of the rest of that stuff on the millennium. 
Because I'll figure right now is not the time. But what amazes me is that God again in this day had another son of God on the earth that he could be able to speak to the winds in Colorado and speak to the storms. Amen. And I've stood right there in that saddle and took pictures of it years ago where it took place at. And I've been right there in Dale Hollow Lake where that little fish that died and was spoke back his life again. What was it? It was not that Brother Branham was that man, but the Lord Jesus wanted to identify himself because the bride needed her faith brought back to a restoration position. So he said, look children, it's me again. Don't get your eyes on Brother Branham. Don't get your eyes on man. But it's me, the son of man, in your midst again. So what did it help us to see? It helped us to see the crown king was in our midst again. So the Lord Jesus is God's answer to man's dilemma. So the word that God spoke and gave the dominion to man, that word has never collapsed or never failed. Now we're not in it tonight, but it was God's word allocated to man. It was the Logos, which is the mandate of the hour. And that mandate as other mandates of God carries right on over. Now it will arrive again in the time of the millennium and come then emerge from the seventh day into the eighth day man was given the earth it will always be man's possession so the Lord God then produced Jesus and God become a son amen so he must come now and die in order to restore man back to this place of honor and glory if he had not become a man man could not be restored so he exercised this position in the arena of time and he come into this battle to be able to wrestle it out with the flesh and with Satan. Amen. So he was crowned with glory and honor in order to bring the restored position back to sons and daughters of God on the earth. And you know it as well as I do, we are on our way back. Praise God. So Jesus regained the glory and the honor that Adam lost. And the church said, and right now we have already entered into a spiritual kingdom with him but friends it's not going to just remain spiritual we're actually going to be with him and rule and reign with our Lord for a thousand years on the earth and then we're going into it for eternity but now notice as Paul says in verse 9 but we see Jesus but in verse 10 for it became him for whom are oh my goodness So it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So it, it was becoming to him that he yet he had all things. He actually made all things. But he considered it becoming to the completion of his office in order to relate to his brothers. Glory to God. So he chose his brothers before the foundation of the world to redeem them and actually to reveal his sonship in them as he revealed his sonship 
in the human body called Jesus. Now watch. For it became him for whom are all things, by whom are all things, in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So does that mean then when Jesus come to the earth, Jesus was imperfect? No. He was perfectly sinless without fault. Look at the meaning of this word perfect. Now we're not talking about sinlessness or doing wrong. But the word translated perfect actually means complete or effective or adequate. Complete, effective or adequate. So Jesus could not have been an adequate savior or an adequate high priest without being a human being. He could not have been an adequate high priest to come in the form of theophany alone. Now he appeared in form of theophany, we know that. But he could have never been a high priest because the rest of his brothers left their theophany in glory. So for him to come in the form of theophany without human being flesh and without being a human in the realm of mortality and he would have never been able to relate to temptation and weakness and failure and frustrations and worries and so on and so on. And then when his brothers would have come to him for 2,000 years, Lord Jesus, please help me. Lord, you understand what I feel like. And they'd say, I'm, I'm sorry, I really don't. I really don't understand what, what temptation is because when I was on the earth, I was just a theophany. When I was on the earth, I was a spirit. I was a man. Yes, I looked like a man, but actually I had no human appetite. I had no human desires. I was a theophany. I simply looked like the part, but I wasn't a man. Then it would have done no good, and he actually could not have truly been called our high priest. Now please don't misunderstand me. He could not have been truly called and identified a savior unless he was a man. A spirit savior would have not done me very much good. I needed a human savior. Amen. Now, so he is going to learn. So God the Spirit, now remember the eternal. Notice here the words that Paul said, to make the captain of their salvation. Notice what he condescended to, not the general, not the great, 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 you know, the highest part, but he actually assumed a rank, a rank which was beneath his previous existence in the eternal. And when he come to the earth, he took on the name or the identity of a captain. So he was the captain of their salvation and make him adequate through what? Not quoting the scripture, not through seeing vision, but through suffering. So complete by means of suffering, that is, it would render him holy and completely adequate. He is going to move into the realm of mortality. Now remember from the womb, he was the perfect sinless blood of God. The new creation of God in a womb of a woman, absolutely sinless, absolutely perfect, but still not adequate. At the age of 12 years old, his blood was just as holy as it would be at the age of 30 years old. But at the age of 12 years old, he was not a perfect high priest. 
Amen. At the age of 30 years old, he was not a perfect high priest. He must suffer. He must go through all these things as a man filled with the Holy Ghost in order to be an adequate Savior, an adequate high priest. You understand, saints? In order to bring us back with the ministry of reconciliation. Now, a perfect, you know, it's exactly the same thing that Paul relates to in Ephesians, how that he might present to himself a church without spot, without wrinkle. I mean, you know that even the five-fold ministry, and people, many people around the message that don't believe in preachers, and they try to take the quote where they ask Brother Branham, Brother Branham, do we come to church and get to perfection? You know, is it the five-fold ministry? He said, well, the blood of Jesus Christ is what perfects you. Now, you read the question the way they answer, ask it, and then you read the the answer in the way that Brother Branham answered it and both of them are right in the way they did it. But you look at what Paul said that the ministry is what perfects the church of course but it's not what makes the church sinless but it's in the same concept of the same word that it brings them to finalization or maturity. I cannot make you sinless. I don't make you sinless by preaching to you. These other ministers of our church or other ministers that you listen to, they do not make you sinless by listening to the word they preach but they bring you to a state of completion or maturity by adding to the stature of the perfect man as you feed upon the unfailing body word. But here the Lord Jesus was in the same sense and that he was created totally sinless, totally perfect. He never had bad days. Jesus never lost his temper. Jesus never thought an evil thought. Amen. Never went through any of that sort of thing like we do. But he was not complete in the sense of being a savior. He was not complete in the sense of being a high priest. Now the holy blood of God, as soon as Mary gave birth to him, he could have went straight there, laid on the altar of God, they cut his throat, let the blood drain out of his body. He could have never been the right kind of high priest as a baby. He could have never been the right kind of high priest. And you may wonder sometimes why God allows preachers to get sick and why God allows preachers to go through so many things. I'm convinced that preachers have to suffer just like everybody else. And many times they will suffer greater. They will go through more difficult, but yet God will put them in a spot where they'll, so they'll go through so many troubles and so many burdens of life. And others will say, how in the world did they do it? But they look at him and say praise God let's rally behind that man. Now I'll tell you one thing if I was a sheep and I was looking for a church to go to I could not be identified under the ministry of any man that never had trials never had tests. I couldn't relate to that man because in reality that man could not relate to me. Men that act like they never go through anything and they're all the time having breakfast with angels and tea with, with angels and supper with angels and they never go through battle. That man was a bald faced liar. He's a hypocrite or he's full of the devil and the devil don't, don't, you know, don't hinder him if, you, if he's already got you naturally he don't really aggravate you and get after you but any true servant of God is going to fight hell brother Donnie you mean you do from the time I get up to the time I go to bed and a lot of times after I go to bed 
Because I'm like you. I rock water and turn, and sometimes I'll get up and Mark Carroll say, How you sleep? I say, Sleep just like a baby. Sleep a while, wake up and cry a while. Sleep a while, wake up and cry a while. Sleep a while. Y'all ever sleep like a baby like that? But you know what it is? I'll still get up and I'm still going to fight because I'm ordained to defeat this devil. And I will do it. I don't care what he does. He may be allowed to attack my body, then I will stand there and claim God is my healer. He may attack my mind, I will stand there and say, God is the peace on my mind. He may attack our church. He may attack our right to come to church, but we'll keep right on pressing anyhow. If you're going to fight, then you have to fight to go to hell, and you got to fight to go to heaven. I believe I just go to heaven. Well, praise the Lord. So you see, he allowed him to be made so completely our Savior and our High Priest that he would be able. Now think of it. Don't, don't take this wrong. The name truly would have not been able to, given, to be given to the Lord Jesus that he was our Savior unless he became a man. God, you could have no greater names than God already had in the Old Testament, but God did not become a man. So God in spirit form could not completely save men. He would save them temporarily, and they'd go right back into the mess they come out of. He'd save them again, and they'd go right back into the mess they come out of. But God wanted to become a man so he could so save his people Once he got them in that mess, they never want to go back again. (laughs) Once he gave them the Holy Ghost. Now watch in verse 11. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Jesus, the great sanctifier, sets apart and sanctifies his people his brothers to the service of God. For which cause he is not ashamed, glory to God, to call them brethren. Why? They're one and the same family. Listen to me carefully. Jesus' Father is mine. Jesus' God is mine. Well, I'm going to read you scripture for that. Here in a few minutes, you're looking at me by God. It's not another God. He didn't come from one source, and his brothers come from another. We're actually all of the same source. <laughs> God. We are in the same family in so much that the Lord Jesus. Now, can you imagine the Lord Jesus calling some of these modern Christians They drink, they smoke, they lie. The men dress like the women, the women dress like the men. The men wear the shorts of the family and the women wear the pants of the family. Well, praise the Lord. A lot of the men let their hair grow if they got any. I mean, you'll see them slick as a pumpkin up here and they got as long as they can get it down here. You know, just as long as they can get it everywhere. You think, what in the world is the matter with people? They're nuts, right? 
And yet the women, they, they look the way they do, and yet many of them are religious and go to church. Now can you imagine the Lord Jesus calling a man like that, put his arm around him, standing under a big pair of shorts and a big tank top, you know, and doing whatever more out down the world, throw more big gold necklaces around him and spitting amber out of his mouth and drinking a, a cup of wine every now and then for his belly's sake, he said, and doing a little of this and that and the other, and, and you know, he, he just smokes a little bit of marijuana to self-medicate on the side, and the Lord Jesus putting his arm around him and said, hello, brother. The Lord Jesus would be ashamed of such a man and his family. The Lord Jesus looking at a bobbed woman wearing breeches and calling her sis. Well, praise God. Now, are they church? Oh, yes, they're church. You see, the Alpha Bride appeared in the vision. And she was the word. Onward, Christian soldiers marching on to war. Then she went off. Then come the church. Seven ages, of course. And they were dancing to rock and roll. Twisting. Naked. Had little pieces of gray paper on the back of them. And it was so humiliating in the vision that it embarrassed the prophet. And he said, he thought, oh God, is that the best that I could do? That we ministers could do to produce a bride for Christ? Oh my. And then as they went on out, dancing to this rock and roll and this witch, which was leading, he said, was, was probably the church, the organizational system. But then the voice said, when he felt so sad and so down, hallelujah, the voice said, but wait, the bride must appear again. And then here she was, and it was the same looking bride. It was the same bride, because it had to be, that was the alpha bride, and here was the omega bride. And the very ones right on the very end, when they went by him, looking at him, and this angel that was standing there in the vision, and they go by him, and they go to looking at that church, because that church went off into, off of the beaten path, and they got to watching that church. They got their eyes off the word. And when they looked over that way, screamed out, get back in line, get back in line. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's his brothers and sisters. Now, are they so perfect in God that they are free from mistake? Absolutely not. Can they get out of line? They can, but they will get back in line if they are brothers. Now, they live to a different standard. It's not just do's and don'ts and thou shalt and thou shalt not. It is a law written within their DNA. It is encoded in who they are to live by the word of God. It is not burdensome to them. Oh, I wish I didn't have to do this. I wish I didn't have to do that. It's not that way to them. You know what other folks look at and say, my, looks like to me you're in a prison. You say, oh no, that's walls of the castle that I live in. They protect me from all of the Laodicea stuff out here. But you see, for the person on the inside, that they're in a total different view of all the content 
difference that's inside the castle wall. The person on the outside says, well, they came to this, they came to that. It's not that they can't, it's that they don't want to. And there is a great difference. I hear it all the time when people want to make excuses to me. Well, I can't do this and I can't do that. I can't do this. And you know what I wind up telling a lot of them? I'm going to share it with you right now. There's a great difference between can't and won't. And some people say, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And the truth of it is they won't do it. Amen, Brother Donnie. I'm saying it for you. Amen, Brother Donnie. I'm saying it for you. Amen, Brother Donnie. I'm saying it for you. Amen, Brother Donnie. That's the truth. Look, friend, we're going to do what we want to do. If you want to serve God, you'll serve Him. And if you don't, me and your mom and your daddy and your brother and the governor and the mayor and the president, ain't nobody, even God's going to make you serve Him. If you don't want to serve Him, God ain't going to make you. He wants folks on this journey that love Him with all of their heart. God don't want to twist my arm and beat me and hang me over hell and let me be like a barbecue on a grill. God don't want to do me that way. God wants me to love him so much that I say, God, I can't wait to go to church. I can't wait to live right. I can't wait for you to show me something else, Lord. I think I've done this and this and this and this. What else you show me to do? Show me what else you want me to do. Just show me how they say, oh my, you mean there's more? Oh man. Ever since I've been serving God, I've had to do this and I've had to quit that and I've had, and all them things that you're talking about, you've had to quit like drinking. That was for your better health, right? Giving up your smoking. I mean, now even the Surgeon General is telling you you've done the right thing. Uh, giving up your pills, giving up your weed, giving up all the other stupid stuff that you've done. You're going to tell me that wasn't better for you? Come on, saints. You think it wasn't better for you to stop stealing? It wasn't better for you to stop lusting after somebody else's wife? It just saved you from getting your eyes beat out and your nose broke by that man. It is a joy to serve God. You see, now I'm talking about family. Family. So for family, they have the same daddy, the same body, the same name, the same spirit. They drink from the same cup and they're baptized with the same baptism that Jesus is baptized with. They share in the same blessings. <laughs> they share in the same promises. They share in the same throne and going to share in the same kingdom. Praise God, we're also going to share in the same body change. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed. Can you imagine to call them brethren? Romans 8, 29. Oh my goodness, for those of you who have a problem with election, this is the way to fix it right here. <laughs> for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. To be conformed to the image of his son. Ah. So he wants us to look like older brother. <laughs> that he might be the only one that will be worth anything. All the rest of them are worthless trash. I'm sorry friends. That is not the family of God. This is the brothers right here, the sisters. That he might be the firstborn 
among many brethren. So he is the chief or the head. Notice Paul said that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That he might be the chief or the head of the redeemed human race. Praise God. The first fruits of the resurrection. You see, it might seem perplexing to you that the Bible would actually call him the first fruits of the resurrection since he certainly was not the first one to rise from the dead. He raised several people himself from the dead. But he was the only one who raised himself. All the rest of those that were raised were raised in a temporary resurrection back into the realm of mortality. Amen. But when he raised himself from the dead, he raised himself into the realm of immortality, never to be a mortal again. So it is humanity glorified which Adam never had. Now think about it. Adam in his state in the Garden of Eden, whatever it was that Adam had, he backslid from and fell from. So it was not a glorified body. It was not even what we would say the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the seal on his soul. It was a delegated authority. A power that was given to him. You do this and do this. And this is yours as long as you do it. But if you break that, I will take this away from you. Lord children, if you only realize that night, if you got the Holy Ghost, you are already farther back, hid farther back in God than Adam was in the beginning. Your soul is already deeper in the kingdom of God than Adam ever was. Adam fell from it. Oh my, praise God that we're going to see him one day and he'll be changed too. But right now, sitting here in heavenly places, your soul is more secure than Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden. Notice this, moreover whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, coronavirus can't be against us. If God be for us, racism, fires, riots, the Democrats, the Republicans, the Supreme Court, whatever more, there ain't nothing that can really be against us to mount anything. If God is for us, you tell me what is greater than our God. You tell me what we're going through. Tell me what we could ever face in life that's greater than Him. Mom, I notice this in verse 31. What shall we say then to these things if God be for us? Who, who can be against us? Notice in Acts 26, 23, Luke said that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. But he wasn't the first in the Bible. Elijah, Elijah raised a boy from the dead. Others are raised from the dead, but not like this. He was the first like this. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it. The same power that's in you tonight, 
you'll raise your own self because you're following his example. Praise God. The Holy Ghost, which was Father God, in Jesus Christ, raised his own body, that same Holy Ghost inside of you. Don't you understand? If there was not a law to that, you sons and daughters of God would create a private world tonight and go out and live your own life on that world. Because that power of God is in you tonight. You say, why don't we do it? Because it's controlled by a law of God. It's part of the life of Jesus, the ongoing continuous ministry of the Lord Jesus and I'm not just talking about preachers the ongoing ministry of the Lord Jesus is in the life of every individual that has the Holy Ghost every man, woman, boy and girl you're living the life that Jesus lived when he was on the earth it's him inside of you bringing your body subject to the word you want to leave but you can't you want to heal people but you can't you want to do this but you can't why the father won't let you and you don't have the power to do it within yourself you're displaying the life of Jesus when you do that we think it's only the life of Jesus when we raise the dead it's the life of Jesus when you don't do it when the father won't let you praise God amen notice this in 1 Corinthians 15 22 for as in Adam all die even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man, I love this, in his own order or in his proper rank, place, and time. So the word order is actually a Greek word that was used for the term of military. When the resurrection takes place, we won't all just jump up and appear before him but we will appear in order (laughs) Adam will reach over and take a hold of Eve Eve will reach over and take a hold of Abel Abel will reach over and take a hold of Seth there will be a divine order in the resurrection Whoa, whoa, people say, I don't care nothing about William Brown. I don't need William Brown. I'm going to stand with Paul, like it or not. You fit under the messenger of this age. And if you're a bride, you not only like it, you love it. You have no problem because that is your rank. That's where God puts you. Brother, sister, I'll tell you one thing. I ain't going to have no problem if I go by the way of the grave. And whenever I come in the resurrection or the rapture either way. And I have to be identified under the ministry of Malachi 4. I'm going to be so happy. I'm going to be so glad I never got to see him in this life. But I'm longing for the hour that I can see him. I want to walk up and shake Brother Random's hand and thank him for telling us the truth. Amen. I want to thank God that I'll be identified with him. I'm not going to stand with Paul. I'm not going to stand with Noah. I'm not going to stand with Luther. This is my rank. This is my time. This is my position. I will raise in this age. Amen. So it's an order or a ray or a troop. Praise God. An arrangement or a cohort. That was the word that they used to identify a Roman group. A cohort. So there we will be identified with the Laodicean cohort. Praise God. When the trumpets sound. Amen. 
Every one of those saints that have gone by the way of the grave, they'll hear it. Yes. Hallelujah. And they'll stand and be identified. That first stage will be under who? The rank of the prophet of the age, Apostle Paul. Amen. It'll come down to every age and there we will stand. And we will stand under the administration of General Malachi Thor. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah. There we will be identified in our time and our rank. Praise be to God. There he will present us to the Lord Jesus. Oh, praise God. Oh, happy day, happy day when that happens. Oh, praise the Lord. Notice Paul says every man in his own order. Now, can you imagine how they're going to be judged now at the white throne? Exactly the same way. People that think they know their Bible so much and they're so smart. I don't need William Brannan. We'll find out, won't we? You see, the same man that you hate. These people that have left and blasted him and told lies and fabricated all kinds of garbage on him. They'll see him again one day. Oh yeah. They'll see him again and they'll actually stand before him and you as a member of the bride. Because you'll be there in your troop, in your order, in your resurrected glorified body to be a witness against those who've turned away. I'm going to, Paul will be there. Oh no, it ain't going to be Paul. Jesus told them scribes and Pharisees he said if you believe Moses you ought to believe me he said and Moses will judge you because Moses told you I was coming praise God I'm so glad I'm going to be on that side with the prophet of Malachi for not him being against me hallelujah take your stand friends take your stand wherever you want to stand it's up to you in your proper order and rank. Notice this. Then he says, every man in his own order, Christ, the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. So he'll be first in the ranks. And then Paul, and on down, on down, on down. To age seven, when all the ranks will stand to be identified. Praise God. The proper order and the commander of each troop. Amen. And then there'll be subgroups inside of those age groups. So there'll be church groups and church pastors and evangelists and ministers that God used to help us. Praise God. You imagine what it will be when we all stand there together? Oh, my. There will be the men of God that come and preach to us and been identified with us and blessed us, and we've been blessed with them. And there will be a subgroup under the, the ministry, the major prophet of the age, Malachi 4. We'll stand there in our glorified bodies. What is it? It's our order. Oh, you say, why don't you go out there and fellowship with the Catholic priest? I don't belong to his order. 
I don't know. Why don't you wear your collar around backwards? First of all, it choked me to death. I can't hardly stand a necktie. Most of us are turned around collar. That ain't who I am. I don't fit in a turned around collar church. I don't fit in a well, the Holy Father said so and so, and the headquarters said so and so. That ain't who I am. I'm under the identification of a resurrection order. Hallelujah. Oh, Brother Donnie, the Franciscan order and the Judician order. I ain't worried about them orders. I want the order of the resurrected bridegroom. The Lord Jesus is the first one, and I'm going to be the last one, Daniel, for sure, the seventh age. But this is my turn. This is my troop. I want to stand there in a resurrected body. Hallelujah. Waiting to go in them gates with you, brother, sister. Notice in Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. You see, they never believed Arianism. They never believed that the Lord Jesus was an inferior God. They never believed two lords the way some of these heathens around the message do. They believed he was God. He is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now he was the firstborn from the old mother sheep, Mary. But it wasn't just Mary that gave birth to him. But on that resurrection morning, death also gave birth to life. You imagine as Satan sent his demons at there. When Jesus knocked on the door of hell Friday afternoon he come to the door and then he recognized what he had done he began to remember reminisce the scriptures didn't David say something about him not leave his soul in hell or not let my holy one see corruption you imagine as he sent death normally death would go up and take a human life and report back in hell for another task. But you imagine Satan said, Death, I'm putting you on duty 24-7 for the next three days. Don't you dare let life come back into that body. If you do, we're weren't. And Northern Yankees that stream our service will be looking at one another. Right. You country Tennesseans and whatever more know what I'm talking about. Ruined. You imagine death as he sent a little sidekick guy down on Friday night. Is he still there? Oh, yes. He's here. Saturday rolled by. One at nine. One at twelve. One at three, one at six. Tell Satan not to worry. He's cold. He's dead. He's lifeless. <laughs> I thought it was all right, but I just wanted to make sure. Praise God. 
But early on the first day of the week, about the rising of the sun, you imagine as Satan began to get a little nervous, and he said to gas, gas, it's Jesus still in the grave. Oh, yes, he's still here. And about that time, an angel of God come in there to where he was. He said, Mayday, Mayday, Mayday! 911, first responders, police, chief, the National Guard, anybody help! Whatever you do, don't let him come back to life. Hold him, you imagine death on top of him. Jesus opened his eyes. And out of death's hole, death just had And here come the firstborn from the dead. Emojis going down in hell, frowns and, you know, pitchforks. Ah, all them things. Texts and whatever more, you know. Oh, OMG, oh my goodness, oh my God, oh my gosh, whatever was they said. Oh no, oh no, oh no. I tried, I tried, I tried. I did everything I needed to do. I saw his lip quiver and then I saw one eye come open. I seen the other one come open and right out of my hold, he come right out of my womb. As it were, Lord, I feel like shouting, Hallelujah! Right out of my very hold, he came to life. <sighs> the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Does this sound like a second person to you? Who needs to say, Father, can I go to the restroom? Father, is it okay with you if I have a church? Oh, Father, can I, can I call Donnie to preach? Father, I was thinking about healing a few folks. Is it okay with you, Papa? He answers to no one. He is the mighty God himself. Others raced before him, but none had raced to the state of immortality. Eternal life in a human body. This is the first time it ever happened. What a, could be no better place to do it than out of the womb of death. Hallelujah. Call this the alphany back from the altar of God by which the blood had been identified. Hallelujah. Call him back with Abraham. You know, join it together. Amen. With the attribute Christ, the Logos, the spoken word of God. Put those attributes back into the human body and right out of the cradle of death. Right 
womb of death, its firstborn son was my brother. <laughs> There's so much noise going up here, the paper towel's jumping out. If y'all ain't going to move the pledge and the Windex. And <laughs> the very first one to live as mortals live, to feel as mortals feel, to die as mortals die. And then to get a shot, a toxin on the River Jordan. And with that toxin, he'd open his mouth and said, destroy this temple. And in three days... I will raise it up. He was the first one to show as a man. Think of it, friends. He did not raise as a theophany. He did not raise as God. He raised as God in a man. God lived in a man. And now God is raised in that same man to eternal life. Don't you see yourself? God is now living in you. And that is the deposit. That whether you're alive or whether you are buried, that same God will live in you again with eternal life in a human body. So he's the first one to resurrect. Doing a mortal body. Don't you understand? Jesus, the body, the boy. Jesus, the man, had a beginning. Yes, he did. And he had a day he died. But now Jesus, the body, has been resurrected to eternal life. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. You imagine the firstborn among many brothers. So what will the rest of the family do? Raise themselves. Well, you said that, but he was Jesus. But he did not have the powers. Jesus as a man to raise himself. He couldn't even heal the sick by himself. Now come on now. Don't you understand? This is why the devil don't want you to see this. He don't want you to see it. I know it's going to shake some of you. But you and him are a lot closer than what you realize. I preached it to you years and years ago. And I said, one day maybe God will open up your eyes and help you to see there's not really that much difference between you and Jesus. <laughs> Notice in verse 19, it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. So the headship over him being in the midst of his brothers. Can't you see what it is? Whenever he, under the mediatorial work of the grace of God down through the church ages, even up through the millennium, at the end of the millennium, he will turn the kingdom over to the eternal. And the eternal will be that great light. But we will come up and see what? The Lord Jesus, the man. And the Father hanging over Him. And for eternity, we will be worshiping Him. Oh, oh hallelujah. Revelation 1.5 And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead. He was begotten of a woman. 
which means it came out of a woman. Now here John says, he's the first begotten of the dead. And the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our own sins in his own blood. Jesus was the first one who lived a mortal life and died a mortal life, but raised to immortality. But he's definitely not the last. Let me close with this and read verse 11 again. Let's stand together. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He became our Goel. Maybe sometime we'll get back to the Song of Solomon. Because I was able, by the help of the Lord, to preach to you seven chapters. But there's actually eight. In Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 1, she longs for him and that intimacy and calling him and saying, Oh, I wish that you were as my brother. That's my brother. You see, our adoption, our placing, our regeneration and reconciliation places us on the same threshold. Let me read this to you in John chapter 20, verse 17. When Jesus is raised from the dead and appears unto Mary, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not. For I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren. They hadn't been born again yet. They had not received the Holy Ghost yet. They had not even been baptized in his name yet. But he's already calling them brothers. But go to my brethren and say unto them. After his resurrection, now this can be said. I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Don't you understand the human body of Jesus when it was raised from the dead? It become the immortal, eternal house of God. But you said, Brother Donnie, anything that had a beginning has an end. His body had a beginning, and it had an end in time. But then the attribute from the eternal comes into the body. Think of your own. There's people standing here tonight that was sired by a father, carried by a woman, come from a mother's womb. And yet the Spirit of God will move upon your body in the change. And the Spirit that's dwelling in you will change you from within. And the rush of eternity will come from your soul and push itself out. And this body will be changed into an eternal house and will live for billions of years. 
<laughs> Praise God. Walt Disney couldn't come up with that. You believe that? You will live for eternity. And you will have who? Who on the throne? Our older brother. <laughs> the human body of God immortalized. The eternal has never been seen and never will be. This is his way of having intimate relationship, friendship, fellowship with his people. Praise God. You'll be able to touch him and love him and sing to him. And him put his arm around you. And you put yours around him. You'll look at him. And he'll look at you. And he'll speak to you with, with words. And you'll speak back to him. I, in my mind, I'd say, oh my goodness. I'd be so jittery, so nervous. I get nervous and I get around great people. I don't know about you all, but I, I, get, I get nervous. When I get around great people, preachers or, you know, just great people. I can't imagine getting around him. And in humanly, I'm looking at it, I know and saying, how could I say anything? How could I say anything? But the last part of the family, which I'll inherit, will be the part that I need to help me enter into the fellowship I've longed for ever since I got the new birth. My body. Then when I get my body, I'll not walk up proud and arrogant, of course. But it will give me the final stage of redemption. That I'll be able to walk up to the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I love you. I've loved you all my life. And when I hear his voice, I'll say, that's the same voice I heard. Call me when I was a child. That was the same voice that spoke to me that night on Wolf Creek Dam in Kentucky. That was the same voice I've heard all my life. Praise God. I'll be able to take him by the hand. He'll put his arm on my shoulder. Come on, buddy. Let me hug you. Oh, you're imagine. You're imagine. Praise God. We'll pick this up, Lord willing, in the morning. Hebrews 2.12, Paul goes on to say, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. So the Lord Jesus is declaring the name of God to his brothers. And the Lord Jesus is singing praise among his brothers. Praise God. Think of it, friends. I hope you don't think I'm belittling him by saying this. He is not only our Lord, our Master, our Savior. He is our older brother. I've got the quote laying in front of me. He is our older brother. Praise God. It behooved him to become like us. 
to be immortal, to feel all this, to feel limited by kenosis. And then allow himself to be changed and enter back into that which he was before his kenosis and become our high priest. Don't you see he needed it for his future work? Immortality could not teach him what 30 years of mortality could bring him to. Think of it by experience. Being immortal. Praise God. Let me close. You love him. Let's bow our heads together. Praise God. Lord Jesus, how great you are. Father, to me, this does not make you little at all. It makes you so great, so wonderful. But it's divine greatness, deity expressed in its highest form. How could Satan ever perceive such a program of God? It happened right in front of him, and he never even knew it. How could he? It was so humble. It was so small, really. You were crucified, the Bible says, in weakness. He saw you in, in the wilderness. He saw you as... He, he tempted you. He saw you as you were tempted to. Make the stones into bread. As you were tempted to jump off the pinnacle of the temple. He saw you as a man. And it so confused him. He saw you cry. Groan with a headache. and Hungry. He saw you. Tempted with drinking. You knew there'd be some of your sons. That would get caught up with drink. You knew that some of your sons would taste that alcohol and it would leave a mark on them somehow that they would know that alcohol, though it would kill them in the long run, yet they would know that alcohol could bring them a temporary relief of their troubles and their anxieties and their worries. So you allowed yourself never to drink, of course, but allowed yourself to be tempted with drinking so you could help every man, every woman that would ever be tempted to drink. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you so much. And then that same body that was tempted by drinking, by women, in all points as we are, was resurrected into eternal life. That same body that Mary gave birth to. Lord, if we could only grasp it, if I'm alive when the rapture takes place, my body that Betty Jane Reagan gave birth to, if I'm alive, that body will be transformed in a moment of time and I will live through eternity in that body that started 
praise God in my mother's womb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, for many of our brothers and sisters, their bodies have went back to acids and gases. There's not even a spoonful of dust left of Peter's body. It went farther back, Lord, than dust. But one day, hallelujah, he will call his body from the dust of the earth. Blessed be the Lord God. Hallelujah, Jesus. But Lord, we're so glad that we don't have to wait till that great resurrection. For you this very night are here in the church. I hope they can understand what I'm fixing to say. You in this church this very night have declared the name of the Father. Hallelujah. Which is your character, yourself, your word. You said, I will sing in the church. And again it is written, I will trust in him. And again it is written, all the children that thou hast given me. We're here with you tonight, Lord Jesus. Still in our mortal realm, yes. But we are here with you. Hallelujah. To testify that the resurrection and the life is still alive and well. For we were dead. And now we are alive. We're drunks, liars, thieves, whoremongers, whatever more. But we've been resurrected by the power of God. And any day now, our body's fixing to follow our soul. We've done had a soul change. And before long, we're fixing to have a body change to match it. Praise God. Lord Jesus, we worship you, Father. Oh, Lord, children, can we just raise our hands in the presence of God? I hope you recognize His presence in this place. That mighty one that rolled back that stone. That mighty one that climbed back into that mortal body is right here tonight. Praise the Lord. To bring healing, to bring deliverance. To bring strength, whatever you need from it. To give you strength for your earthly journey until your body will be made like His. Think of it. Praise God. The final stage of my immortality. Entering into a body like His. The first mortal to come and live as a man, walk as a man, then receive the fullness of God, then to die, to pay the supreme death, to be crowned with glory, then raise up that body and come back on the day of Pentecost and live in the bodies of human beings. Oh, it was a great day when Lazarus raised from the dead. Lord Jesus, we know Lazarus died again. But when you got up, you're still alive. And you told John, I am he that was dead, but I am alive forevermore. 
one day, Lord Jesus, we will be able to take those very words of yours and coin the same phrase in that resurrection morn. I was dead, but I am alive forevermore. Glory be to God. What a day that will be, Lord, when all over the earth the redeemed are getting together. And the prophet said, think of it. Missing people. They can't see you no more. But you're getting together with the rest of the group. And you'll come up missing on the earth. Lord Jesus, let the people ridicule and make fun and laugh. We don't care. It might be a Monday morning, a Sunday morning. It don't make no difference to us. It may start out, no doubt, it's just a normal day. But all of a sudden, maybe brushing our teeth or making our bed or eating breakfast, getting a bowl of Cheerios or whatever, and we'll see our mama. And she'll appear in the kitchen. Except she's not 60 years old or 70 as she was when she passed away. She's standing there as an 18-year-old. And maybe this brother and that sister, and we know it won't be long and all of a sudden, our wife, our children, the sweep will come in our house. Glory to God. And then we'll be called up. Glory to God in another realm, in another dimension. We're called up. We're still on the earth. But we're missing. Hallelujah. We're missing. Oh, Jesus, this is not a fairy tale. We believe it, Lord. We believe that same Holy Ghost that gives us power to overcome sin is the same thing that's going to change our bodies one day. Thank God. Lord, if there's a one here tonight that's not ready, if there's a one streaming, Lord, help them, I pray, Father. If they ain't got the Holy Ghost, may they receive it right now, Lord God. That is their token. That is their down payment to a body change, Father. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. Praise your name, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Lord God, I pray for my dear friend tonight, Lord, Brother Ron Spencer. Lord, you see this battle that he's engaged in, Lord. The last several weeks had some tests and had some really good reports, and for that we're thankful. But Lord, you just see fighting this thing's left him weak. The treatments, Lord, may the strength of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus touch our brother. Sister Brenda Thompson, Lord, down in South Carolina, Lord, move for her. Sister Becky Johnson, Lord Jesus, others in our assembly, Father, Brother Randy Gisson down here, you see the needs in his body, Brother Eugene Kennedy, Lord, others, Father, that we're bringing before you, Lord God, every time you heal somebody with a divine healing, that's a down payment of the resurrection. Lord God, may your power move tonight. Father, as one family. We're not yet able to be gathered, Lord, in one place, but we're one heart, one purpose, one goal, one objective, Lord. We call upon your name tonight together, Father, in the name of Jesus. Maybe some of these saints are just weary. Lord, of what we're going through and what we're dealing with, I hate this, Lord. I hate this. Thing us not been able to be together and been separated just ain't right. Lord, please work it out where we can be back together, Lord. Help us, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, 
for your grace and mercy to us in keeping us. But Lord, we want back our normal, Lord. This ain't right for us. We long to be together. We long, Lord God, to be as we were. Oh, grant it, I pray to us, Father. Grant it, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord. If we long for that element of normalcy, oh God, what is it inside of our souls that longs and hungers and craves for our real home, Lord Jesus? We worship you, Lord. Oh, praise be to God. Sing something for us. Hey, can we just worship the Lord for just a few minutes now? Let's just recognize His presence, friends. Oh, you know, God loves to move in so many wonderful ways. And we recognize Him in the fast music. We recognize Him when the power of God goes to shake in our body. But let's recognize Him here tonight. And this, oh, I feel Him all so near us, I'll tell you. Right here the other night, I was standing right here at the end of the service, and the presence of God comes sweeping right from this direction, right over here. I had my hands up this way, and it was like a hand started right here at the top of the cuff on my sleeve. Went right up my hand, just like this. The hair stood up on my hand, on the back of my neck. I felt it stand up on the back of my head. He touched me as he went by, just like this, ever so lightly, come right this way. Oh, praise the Lord. It didn't make me feel like screaming or shouting, but it was His touch. I needed it so desperately. Praise God. I don't want to just recognize Him in the shout, do you? I want to recognize Him in that little calm, gentle move of His breeze. My, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. We worship You, Lord Jesus. We bless your holy name, Father. Let's worship him together. Lord Jesus, you are I worship you, Lord friend, God, with all of my soul. And you are I bless my your name. Brother, Hallelujah. My king, my king, my brother, my friend, my redeemer. I I love you more than him. Yes, Lord Jesus. Oh, sing it to him, children. You are my
again, you're my friend. You're my friend. You are my brother.
your time how would you even be able to utter a word but 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 everything will be everything that we need if we need peace if we need comfort we need courage what it's going to be there and when it's my time i want to take my time don't you let's sing that together tonight i want to there's so much that we'll have to thank him for he'll remember every detail and also the things that we didn't even know he'd done for us well i've heard them say 
to do what's right one must take their time in a hurried pace there's often with no sense of reason or right When I think of my new life And living in my brand new home The first thing that comes to mind the 
good to be in church tonight, wasn't it? Amen. Just remember the service, folks, to be here in the morning. Just pray for the service. Pray for Brother Donnie. Let's just worship him a little bit more, and then you can sing this as we go. God of mercy, sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to your desire. May this suffering across the sky These hallelujahs be multiplied God mercy, sweet love of mine I have surrendered to your design so Sing. 